Okay, it's really crazy, but I do find myself falling head over heels. Um, you are awesome. I have loved, loved being with you. And you know what's crazy? I feel loved back. Um, you've been so kind to me. You've been so merciful. You know what mercy is? Mercy, I had a kid in, in a delinquent teenage program in Canada say, mercy is when somebody cuts you a break. You've been so awesome, so loving, so merciful. Uh, I would love Oh my goodness, I would love to spend time, more time with you than, you know, this is our last day together. It doesn't have to be. There are some of you I would love. We come off the road in the summertime, all of our speakers that travel the world, we come off the road to pour into the lives of those we get to share summertime with. Uh, we have an incredible training program for university college students that come from across the nation and other parts of the world. It's a spaces limited program and all of our speakers are traveling this fall. So this is kind of the beginning of fall and the faster somebody signs up, the earlier and the better their opportunity is. But, but we do have openings for summer of 2018. I've got 10 staff members here with me Wherever you are, there I've got firebrand speakers in training with me and also staff members. Wherever you are, stand to your feet. I need to know where you are, staff. Stay up, stay standing, so you're kind of back in this area and maybe a few others around. There's 10 of you, and they will be in the back right afterward this morning. They can talk with you. They can help you understand what we call the experience. A lot of people say to you later on, like, well, you, you, you look like a good candidate on paper, but you need some experience. So, so we call it the experience because we give you a dose. It's like getting a drink at a fire hydrant. We are just going to baptize you by immersion, uh, and, and we're going to have a ton of fun. So I want you to know I would love to have a bunch of you with me this coming summer. So that's on your heart. And if you have a speaking gift and you know that and you know that your trail ahead is that, you ought to be talking. Our chief content officer who oversees our firebrand speaker training program, uh, there are eight or nine of them with me this week, um, uh, he is here this morning and he would love to have a conversation with you. So probably enough said uh, for now. Uh, I want to just have you turn, pull your Bible app out. I want you to get to Matthew chapter 22, one of my favorite spots in the scripture because Jesus just boilerplates it down to simple. You know, I was that guy who was going, man, there is just so much there and there's a lot to do. And Jesus boilerplated it down to two things. He said, there are two things that matter. And one thing that matters the most, and we are going to look at that very quickly this morning. It's in Matthew chapter 22. And uh, in Matthew 22, verse well, let's, let's start with 34 because, you know, there's some dudes who are really out to just trip Jesus up. They just, they don't like him. They don't like the simplicity and the beauty and the power of everything that's coming to her through him. They like structure and they like the formulae kinds of things that they've come up with over time. And he just seems to be making it user-friendly for, for every person. And so, so they keep trying to trip him up. In verse 34, hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together and one of them popped an, a question. He's an expert in the law and he decided to test Jesus with a question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Now, all of them are given by God, so they got to all be important. So, you know, this is really kind of a trick question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. 
And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. This young teenage girl that walked up to me after I'd shared this verse and she handed me a bumper sticker. I didn't quite get it. It looked quite redundant to me. And I went, this is stupid. Uh, She just kept looking at me. We were in the South. She was in Georgia. And she said, Mr. Robertson, don't you just love it? And I said, I don't know if I get it. She said, "It's, it's, it's that verse you read to us. The bumper sticker said, the main thing is to remember to keep the main thing the main thing. And that's really what he is saying. It's the main thing. That's the main thing. There was a young business traveler. He'd only been married six weeks. He's sitting there at the airport with his shiny wedding band on, you know, and he's, he's just uh, sitting there watching people because his flight's delayed. And, and he'd, he'd gone out to the terminal where there were better food options. And as he's sitting there, um, he noticed a mother with three children waiting apparently for a returning passenger. What he noticed was the energy of the two sons, 11 and 6, he guessed, that, that were watching closely for dad, the 11 year old, the tallest, on his tiptoes, trying to see if he could see him first, when all of a sudden the 11-year-old just went flying. I see him, I see him, and he just went running dad's direction with a six-year-old brother behind him, and they tackled dad and just clobbered him with love, and, and my friend, the young business newlywed uh, traveler, he said, you know, it looked like this guy was going down, trying to hold on to his bags, and an 11 and a six-year-old just hanging all over him, and, and they kind of wrestled around there and had this welcome embrace that this dad was having with his sons when he noticed noticed as he looked back at the mother the two-year-old was was wriggling all around she wanted her share of dad and and she couldn't quite get there though the same way they did and and the next thing he said it looked like she's gonna lunge right out of her mother's arms and her mother helped a safe passage happen and got her over to his dad as he pushed the boys aside and he pulled his little two-year-old daughter in and He's looked at her, your daddy loves you. And, and he started smothering her with kisses. And she just rested right up here on his shoulder. And this was just a sweet moment he was watching. And, and she was just at peace. But he kept watching this newlywed. And, and after this little girl had enough, he placed her into the confident, capable hands of his 11-year-old son. And he said, that's when he took the hands of his wife and he pulled her in and said, honey. I've saved the best for last. The young newlywed kept watching as he mouthed the words, I've missed you so much. And he said, and then all of a sudden he pulled her in and he started laying such a passionate one on her. He said that I looked down respectfully. I mean, that's a lot. Uh, He said, after I knew it had to be done, I looked up and they were still going. It was almost embarrassing, he said. It was like a lot of carry-on going on there. And and he said, I I finally had to, it has to be over. And I look up and they're just finishing for now. And and he said, "I, I couldn't help myself. I just went, wow. And he said, I didn't realize it. I had said it so loud they heard me and both of them turned. And he said, and then I was caught, and, and I tried to figure out what to say. And he said, so I just said, wow, that, like, how long have you been married? And they said, 14 years. Well, that didn't explain a thing to him. 14 years. And that, wow. Uh, well, sir, how, how long have you been gone? 
I look back at him and say, oh, I've been gone two whole days. <laughs> and thinking about it, the young newlywed looked back at him and said, man, I hope I'm that in love after 14 years. And the older guy who understood all of life's a classroom, somebody's always learning and somebody's always teaching. And he turned to this young guy and said, son, don't hope. Decide. Choose. Monday night, I, I asked some of you to do the following. And if you were here Monday night, I'm going to ask you to refrain and allow the others to have their... You don't get a second opportunity. I'm going to let the others have their chance. So, so if you weren't here Monday night, here's your chance. I want you to put your right hand in the air as high as you can get it. Right hand in the air as high as you can get it. That's as high as you can get it. That's the best you can do. Oh, he's standing. He's got his hand higher than yours. That's about as good as you can do. Oh, she's on her chair now. Okay, okay. So see, you, you looked around. Think about it. You looked around for a moment to see, wait, how, how high are other people's hands? Maybe, maybe that's the limit. That's the bar. No, it wasn't. I mean, he stood up on his feet. I mean, he, he pushed through. And, and, and she went, no, I'm going to get up on my chair. I, I probably could get a little high. I've had people run up on the stage to get their hand a little higher. That's really what Jesus is saying. Could you love him a little bit more? Could, could you love him a little bit more? Don't look around to see others. Could you love him a little bit more? Could you love him a little bit more? Why would that be such a big deal that, that you push through and try to discover, could I love him a little bit more? Let me tell you, because the greatest gift you're going to give this world is your intimacy with God. That's the greatest gift you're going to give the world. Could you love him a little bit more? Satan's goal is to keep you distracted from that. And his, his desire always is the opposite of what God desires. God's desire is up close, intimate relationship with you. And Satan's desire is to keep you at a distance. That's, that's why he was messing around with the very first man and, and woman. And, and, and got him focused on a, a tree. Uh, well, really what he was trying to pull off wasn't just to get them to snag a little fruit and, and have a little taste. But really what he wanted was what was going to happen afterward when they felt shame. And embarrassment and guilt and ick and... And so they started taking steps backward from up close. And uh, the next thing you know, they're, they're hiding. And, and God's coming to go for another walk with them. He loved these intimate times they, they had. And, and he's looking for them and can't find them. He looks and looks and they're, they're hiding. And, and he asks them why they're hiding. And they're, they're ashamed. And you get it. I get it. We understand that because that's often what we're doing. We're, we're sort of hiding from God because of all the stuff that causes us to feel just down on ourselves and a little embarrassed and shameful. Like, I couldn't be close to you. I don't feel like I could or I should. After all, it's me. Listen, I was born to a family that deserved better. 
and they got me. There was a reason I was nicknamed Dwight the Fright. And I had to work really hard, really hard to understand the unconditional love of God and get over myself and do the first thing I challenge you to this morning. I'm going to challenge you to something. And it's this. Let him, let him love you. Let him, let him love you. What do you mean? Well, hypothetically, let's pretend that, that we're out in the hallway afterward and there's like just hundreds and hundreds of us moving all around and suddenly you, you notice that there's a somehow, you know how this kid got in here, but there's a little child out here, teeny little child and the child's looking confused and seeing everybody moving around and looks lost and you don't know who that child's separated from, but, but they don't know where they're at, they don't know what they're, and they're looking, they're looking helpless and, and you stop for a minute, you're in less of a hurry now to get to your next appointment, but you're looking at this child wondering, does anybody else see this child? And, and the next thing you know, the child looks over and sees you and you've got a face-to-face contact and in your face, they see somebody that in their interpretation is kind and, 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 and noticing and cares, and so the child reaches up their arms to you because they are hopeful. What will you do? Can I ask how many of you, by a show of hands, how many of you will go over and pick that child that's going like this? How many of you will pick up that child and help that child? Come on, you know why you would do that? Because you're made in the image of God, the one who also wants to do that with you. He doesn't need you to be sure of who you are and where you're going and what you're doing. And everything is perfectly in line. He doesn't mind you being. In fact, Jesus said, if you want to enter the kingdom, become like a child. Come near to God. James 4.8 says, and he'll come near to you. Yeah, Dwight, you don't know all my crud. Well, I know mine, and I know some of the guys that have helped me. Their, their crud was so big. I mean, one of the guys, I've just read his stuff over and over again, and he said, man, if, if there's a, a sinner club, I'm the president. I mean, Paul said, I'm, I'm the chief of the tribe of sinners. But he didn't let it stop him from letting God love him. In fact, it's what caused him to be so mystified by, man, you love me? Are you kidding? I've even murdered some of your kids and you love me? It's the, it's the amazing grace we sing about. If you'll let him love you, oh my goodness. Well, how, how would I do that? Because right now I just am fixed on my sin. Well, let me help you. One, one dude, he just got me near uh, Hebrews 12, 2, which just says, fix your eyes on Jesus. He said, Dwight, your gaze is in all the wrong directions. You're looking at other people you think are perfect. Dwight, they're not. There aren't any. The guy who was the president of the club of sinners, according to him, chief of the tribe, you know, Paul was trying to say, I'm the greatest sinner. I mean, he, he and others are, were declaring in the New Testament, even Romans 3 tells us, Dwight, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So he said, you're looking around, you think other people are more perfect, you just haven't been hanging long enough with them. They're not. There aren't any. All have sinned and fallen short. Yeah, but I've done it more. He said, well then, you know what I'm hearing, Dwight? Your eyes are more on your sin than on your Savior. And for some of us, we are so camped out on our own sin, instead of fixing our eyes on our Savior. And that's our dilemma. 
Raise your gaze. Fix your eyes on your Savior and let Him love you. This afternoon, if you were walking across campus and suddenly the, the skies cleared up, there are blue skies, there's sunshine, and all of a sudden you noticed an inu or a hammock that was, that was stretched out across campus, and, and, and you're walking going, man, wish, wish that one was for me. I mean, I walked across campus. I saw one, and I was wishing that yesterday. You know, I even saw the two guys who were mowing. They'd stopped their mowers. They were taking a break, and they were also looking at that thing like, man, I wish that was for me. What if you were walking across and there's a name placard and it's right there on the ground and your name is on it. Your name is on it. And, and you, you kind of walk, no way, no way. And it's empty. I mean, the, the, it's waiting for you. And your name is there and sitting there is a fresh bottle of water and there's a little snack treat. And, 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 and it's inviting you. Would you just, come on, that's God wanting you to fall back into the hammock of his love. He has a resting place for you there, a grace place. Get your eyes off your sin, get your eyes on your Savior and let him love you. Fall back into the hammock of his love. Your life will be transformed there. There's something else I want to challenge you to, not just to let him love you, but can I challenge you to actively actively live in his presence. Take your Bible app now and get to Deuteronomy. Get to the book of Deuteronomy quickly. Deuteronomy chapter 31. If you've got a Bible with you, you can turn there in the pages. Others with the app. Get to Deuteronomy chapter 31. This is an old dude, but a wise dude. This is Moses writing this. and He's now 120 years old, and he's been letting God love him, and he's been spending time up close. In fact, a lot of the ancients, the patriarchs of our faith, they were described as people who walked with God. They walked with God. Noah walked with God. Enoch walked with God. And one day God said, hey, we're closer to my house than yours. Let's, let's just go to my house today. And Enoch was no more. I mean, these dudes walked with God. They just, they, and, and that's what Moses was advising. You get to Deuteronomy chapter 31. And in Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 6. Then Moses summoned. And he said, listen, be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid or terrified. Because of them? Come on, the Lord your God goes what? With you. I'm sorry, the Lord your God goes where? With you. And he will never, say the word never with me, one, two, three. That's a big deal, that's a big word. He will never leave you, nor forsake you. And then Moses summoned Joshua and he said to him in the presence of all Israel, and Andrew, if you'll come on up, you are going to help me, I think, this morning. Joshua he said to Joshua and the others, he said, listen, be strong and courageous for you must go with this people into the land the Lord swore to their ancestors to give them. And you must divide it among them and their inheritance. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. The Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Some of you have heard of, or maybe you even perhaps read the book, The Purpose Driven Life. But what Moses is recommending to you is the presence-enabled life. The presence-driven life. Let's illustrate that. Come on over here. So, so I get up in the morning and I go, Oh my, oh no, 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 I must have hit the snooze. 
church. Oh, now I'm going to be late for class. So, so you know, I'm, I'm rushing around trying to get myself ready, and, and I'm doing everything I need to do as quick as I can, and I, I run in, and I try to grab some breakfast, and, and, and I, get, I get my stuff together, and oh, I'm going to have to skip. I need coffee, but I don't have time to fix it. And I hustle, and I, I get almost to class when all of a sudden I'm going, no, I do have time. I can stop at McCon. So I stop at McCon, and I get a house coffee. I don't have time for them to make one. You know, it's, it's house coffee, but I'm just really glad when all of a sudden I'm standing there, and there's Josh. He's in line in front of me. He turns around, and his countenance is different. And I said, Josh, you okay? Uh, no. What's, what, dude, what's wrong? What, what, uh, you, you haven't heard? No, I haven't heard. What, what should I have heard? Oh, Friday I was off campus, and uh, they ran some more tests, and I was diagnosed with cancer. What? You're too young. Well, you're kidding, right? No. No, I'm not. That's what I said. Josh, I'm, uh, I'm, 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 I'm really, I'm sorry. Uh, uh, man, dude, I got to get to class. I know you do too. Man, I'm really sorry, Josh. And I, and I get to class and whew, that's a heavy and, and I get to class, and here's my friends, you know, and we're, we're having a great time, and we're talking because I'm, I'm, I'm at class early, and I've just taken a couple swigs of coffee, and then, and then here's my friend, I've been looking for you guys, you got to help me get through this class, this is a hard one, I don't know if I can make it without you, you know, so, so we're talking a little bit about the class, and, and next, I know we're, we're, we're focused on, and here comes the class, here it comes, here it comes, but I'm kind of clock watching because I got an early lunch I've set up with my, my, my friends, and, and so I, class is over, and I go to lunch, and I'm, I'm having a great time with my friends, and all of a sudden, one of my friends is telling me something that's going on in their life, and I'm going, "Well, hey, I'm, I'm man, that's that's a heavy. I'm, I'll be praying for you. Uh, 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 hope it all goes well." And I finish lunch, and I I go to find my uh, my workout partners because I got some workout partners. Can I grab some workout? But you look like a workout partner. Up on your feet, put your phone down. You look like a workout partner. You want to be a workout partner? How about you being a workout partner? Come on, come on, workout partner. You can do this. Urshana, come on over here. Be a workout partner with me. So it's time. Come on, Urshana. On it, you can do this. So here we go. We're we're gonna go working out, and we're getting our workout in, and we're having a great time having a workout. We're doing a run, and 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 come on, Shauna, catch up, catch up. Come on, you can do this, girl. And we're having a great time. We're working out. When all of a sudden, my my friend over here, he's telling me that his dad's sick, and he's really worried about his dad because because he doesn't know. I mean, this sounds serious. His dad's in the hospital, and I'm going, man, I don't I don't know. I, that's 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 big. Uh, I'm sorry, really sorry, man. And, and so we go to finish our workout, and we're, we're continuing to run, and I'm thinking, man, that'd be hard to go through that. With, I'd never want to lose my dad. Man, he's going through something really tough. And finally, we, uh, we finish our workout. You can be seated. Your workout's over. Um, thank you. And so uh, I got to get home. And... Uh, you know, I'm a married student, so I get back to my place, and my wife has got a great meal, and I love, it's my favorite stuff, and I'm chowing down, and I'm talking to her about how hard my day is going to be tomorrow. I'm really concerned about something tomorrow, and tell her I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to wrap it up. I've had seconds and thirds, and uh, that's probably enough for me. i got to go get some work done, so I come back to my, my computer, and I'm trying to get some stuff done, and I'm really starting to get worried about tomorrow, and and it's about that time I know I need to get to bed because I, I can't be tired tomorrow. It's a big deal. It's a, it's a big day. And so I, I turn 
And, uh, hey, listen, I'm going to really need you tomorrow. Like, you got to be there for me because it's a big deal. Uh, you got to get me through it. I, I don't know if, if I'm going to make it if, without your help. So please, come on, really help me tomorrow, okay? I got I to gotta have your help. Imagine, he's been with me all day. And this is the very first conversation I've had with Jesus. Leave him not alone. He was with me over there in the coffee shop. And I could have said to Josh, listen, any of you who suffered with cancer, and some of you in this room have, I could have said to Josh, Josh, are you cool? Could, could I just pray with you right now? Jesus is right here with us. He's not, he's not in a building somewhere. Josh, he's right here. Could we talk together to him? As I heard the problem of my friend over lunch, I could have said to her, hey, can I just take a minute? Would you be comfortable? Listen, when you're going through something, you don't mind somebody doing this. You're grateful. Hey, he's with us. You mind if I just, let's talk to him together. He's here. He's not at chapel. He's here. When we're on the workout run and my buddy tells me that, that his dad is sick, I can say, hey, I'll go with you this weekend. How about we take a time this weekend and go visit your dad at the hospital in northern Indiana? I'll go with you, and, and, and Jesus is with us, and let's just go into the room at the hospital and, and pray over your dad. Jesus, always with us. Leave him not alone. That's why the, the author of a book I just absolutely love, The Presence-Driven Life, um, he wrote a book called The Practice of the Presence of God, Brother Lawrence. It's a 400-year-old classic. Phenomenal book. My son said to me, Dad, did you know God has a sense of humor? I said, what? He said, yeah, Dad, you know how you teach practicing God's presence? I realized that the favorite thing I love to do with my hangout buddies is crack jokes. We just love to laugh, and, and we're always cracking jokes. And he said, I started discovering I could tell God jokes, and, 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 and he jokes around with me back. Dad, sometimes he pulls pranks on me, and I hop in my Jeep, and I'm laughing my full head off that God just pulled that crazy prank on me. He said, Dad, he just tells me I want to be as real as your friends because I am that real, and I am a friend that sticks closer than a brother. My wife, who's an art teacher, she told me one day, Dwight, um, there's an incredible art uh, uh, um, exhibit on at the Denver Art Museum, and, and I really want to go, and I checked your calendar, and you're on the road, and I know you'd go with me, but I can't find anybody to go with me. And I said, well, babe, well, how about, how about uh, you do a date with God? How about you, you go to the art museum with God? Um, would that work? Well, she went to this art exhibit. She came back. I got back from my road trip, and I said, honey, how was that art exhibit? She said, oh, my word. Let me tell you, I went to the art museum with a master creator. We had, like, these cool conversations about all this stuff. I've never had such an experience at the art museum. I don't know if I care to take anybody else but him now. I said, how about me? Well, I don't know. You'd be second fiddle. <laughs> and that's okay, because I've learned in our marriage relationship that I am her number one second love. He is her number one first love. We decided that very early in our marriage because we knew the greatest gift we could give each other and our children and this world is our intimacy with God. There's a third thing I want to challenge you to quickly, and that is not only, not only to let him love you, 
and actively live in his presence, practice his presence. If, if you're looking to understand this, practice his presence more, I'd encourage you to read the more recent translation of that book. It's a little teeny, teeny thing just called Practicing God's Presence. You can find it and order it on Amazon. There's a bunch of people reading it, so you can probably get one for 99 cents now. Practicing God's Presence. Ask some of our staff, what's that book? But this final one is Getaway Dates with God. Some of you need them desperately. A getaway date with God. Luke 5, 16 says, Jesus often withdrew to solitary places to have a date with God. To pray. Sometimes he'd just get out of a house full of people and he'd go sit by the lake. That sounds good. How many of you like water? You know, he'd sit by the lake. Other times his getaway date was he'd just hike a mountain. I love to do that. He'd hike a mountain and, and get time alone with the one he loved the most, his number one first love. And, and he'd come down from that mountain and there was something extra there. In fact, I would call when you do these getaway dates with God in, in Spain, in the bullfighting rings, a bullfighter knows that in the bullfighting ring there is a space and place somewhere in that ring and it's different for every bull because we're all created uniquely by God so, so every human, every bull has kind of a different place. The bull is moving around trying to find a place in that bullfighting ring where that bull feels safe and where it will regain its muster and its strength and its aura and its presence. That's why the bullfighter is trying to distract and move that bull continuously. Keep the bull moving. Keep the bull moving. Keep it moving because he knows if that bull comes to a stationary spot that that bull claims as its querencia. Querencia is the place the bullfighter tries to keep the bull from where strength is regained. The enemy of your soul is continually trying to do that. Keep you away. That's why Jesus had even a garden he'd go to called Gethsemane. And wow, it changed history because he got all the muster in that garden to face a cross and change the world. For some of you, it's going to be getaway dates with God. I used to, when I was an IW student, I found out the science department here owned land away from campus called Botany Glen. I found out it was open to me as a student. I could legally walk on there and use it. So I'd, I'd take time to, to just plan a two-hour date on a Saturday, and I'd go over and I'd just have a walk date with God, a get-alone date with God. Some of you, it's a hammock. Some of you, it's a corner of a coffee shop. Some of you ought to declare a corner of your room. Why would you do this? Let me tell you. Because when you let God love you, and when you actively live in his presence, and when you pursue getaway dates with God, your querencia, where your strength is renewed, when you do that, when you let him love you, I want to tell you what's going to happen. More of God and more of his will and more of his glory. Listen, the world doesn't need us. They need him. But the more we've been with him, the more he shows up everywhere. So listen, the more of God is going to come. And more of his will, more of his glory multiplied everywhere you go. Denzel Washington wrote an incredible book called A Hand to Guide Me. In the book, he tells about a woman who who let God love her, actively lived in his presence, sought getaway dates with God. Her getaway date favorite spot was at Denzel Washington's mother's beauty shop 
under a hairdryer. That was her date with God spot because it would muffle out all the noise, all the noise of the house she came from and all the noise of Denzel Washington's mother's beauty shop. She'd get under that hair dryer and she and her all the time God could just enjoy being together. Denzel said I was 17 years old and I was sitting at my mom's place. I was a junior in high school and I was trying to figure out what next in my life. When he said I looked across at, at Ruth Green sitting under my mama's hair dryer and he said I I saw her look at me, and she, she looked back at me. I thought she was having time with God over there, but now she's looking at me. He said, it made me nervous. I looked down. She's looking at me. Why is she looking at me? He said, and then all of a sudden, she just she screamed out from under the hairdryer, Someone, go get me a pen and a paper. And she started writing. He said, she started writing all the stuff she was hearing under the dryer. In my mother's beauty shop, I was trying to decide what I was supposed to do with my life. And this woman whose eye first caught me in the mirror, and then she was looking straight at me every time. When she got the pen, she wrote down in a paper that I would speak to millions of people. Okay, she got that right, he said. She told me I would travel the world, this Hollywood actor said, and then she got that right too. She also told me I'd make a positive difference, and I'm guessing the jury's still out on that one, but I'm hoping it comes back in my favor. Because at one time, I wanted to be a preacher like my dad. And I thought maybe this woman was picking up on that, but now that I look back, she was talking about someone or something else. And, and, and I've had some success as an actor. I've traveled the world. My movies have contributed, I hope, at least in a small part, to, to the way we look at our world. But I am reminded often of this woman who had something up close with God. This woman impacted my life. I carry her words with me, along with the program from my father's funeral and a letter from my English teacher. Everywhere I go, I get what she said. And he said, it all starts somewhere, and for me, that somewhere is God. And early in my life, I had people who were near God, and they brought him to me. My challenge to you today is if you let him love you, if you actively, come on, Jesus, you're with me everywhere. Actively practice his presence all day today. Walk with him, talk with him, be with him. And every now and then, just press away. Find your cadencia, get alone dates with God. If you do, I promise you more of God and his will and his glory will show up everywhere you go. Now that is a world changer. God bless you. You're dismissed.